Our scripture today is um, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. You can turn there in the Bible under your seat. It's on page 922. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone, thinks, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a, per, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is God's word. Family and friends, hope you're doing well today. My name is Tanner. Uh, I'm glad to be with you walking through our study in the book of Philippians called To Live is Christ. Somebody say, To Live is Christ. That's right. And y'all, I don't know if you know this, but when you get married, you kind of inherit some TV shows. Amen, somebody. Uh, it's just kind of like, I used to watch this with my family. And next thing you know, you watching it, okay? And one of those I inherited was called Survivor, all right? I never watched it. Some of y'all don't watch it. That's okay. We're into it. We're into it. And those of you that don't know, they're on an island. They're literally trying to survive. They're voting every week, you know, and it's pretty cool. But one of the things you wouldn't know if you don't watch it is how elemental to the game just food, water, and like fire in particular is. Y'all, I want to I wanna bring that image of a fire to your mind right now, Okay. The first thing you got to figure out in, in that kind of a context is how am I going to build it, okay? So like in the show, they even make you getting flint where you can rub the stuff and strike the match. Like you have to win that. Like in your first, your, first, your team has to win to get it, okay? So like some tribes will go nine, ten days without fire, all right? That's a big deal for a few reasons. Number one, you cold, really cold, like people quitting cold, you know? Then you're not cooking anything. Okay, so you could catch some fish, so just bite it like Smeagol from uh, Lord of the Rings or something, you know, because that's all you can do, have some sushi. Uh, and then even the fellowship element of like a fire just cre- it creates light, it creates warmth, it creates an environment, right? So when you remove that, the goal isn't just to build the fire. The goal is the life the fire brings, right? It brings fellowship, it brings food, it brings warmth, it brings light, Well, y'all, you could say that fire is kind of the gift that keeps on giving. Like you start it, you got it, now you use it. Now you know it's doing something, it's building something. And our text today that we just had read by our sister Naya is one of the great holy grails of Scripture of just Paul's conversion, talking about what happened, how great it is, the fire starting, so to speak. And then he tells us how he relates to Jesus now and what that's doing in his life. And we just get to see uh, how, how righteousness is the gift that keeps on giving. That's what we're going to see in our text. And my hope for you is that as you, as you hear God's word, as we walk through it, if you're a Christian who's kind of stuck right now, you would know how to go grab some wood, if you will. You would know what the Lord is calling you to do to, to, to see the, feel the warmth, to cook the food of the fire. 
And if you are not in Christ, I pray that you would be really cold. Um, I pray that you would see that like this, 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 this is what you want. You want the flint. You want the fire. Uh, the life Paul has is something that, that we were created to have. How's that sound? So to get there, what we're going to look at is the danger he's pointing out in our text. Then we're going to look at the fuel, and then we're going to look at the flame. The danger, the fuel, the flame. Let's start with the danger. So y'all, y'all saw, he kind of starts in verse 1, he's just saying, finally, my brothers, he's, he's rotating his, his discussion from the one directly about self-sacrifice. Now he's going to tell them to watch out for something. In verse 2 he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He says it three times. Look out, look out, look out, right? So he's wanting us to look out. Now before I explain to you who the dogs are, who these people are, really, verse 3 in a lot of ways is kind of the sermon. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. We're going to explain it in a lot of different ways using different verses, and we really won't stay in verse 3 a lot, but he summarizes kind of the issue and what he wants you to see all in verse 3. Check this out. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Somebody say, no confidence in the flesh. That's right. And the irony is he says, we are the circumcision, which yes, if your mind is thinking right, circumcision is an act that happens to someone's flesh, right? And he's saying, we put no confidence in the flesh. So there's an irony going on here. It's historic, and it's not, we're not going to a museum today. Hear me, friends. Anything in the Bible is not a museum. You look at it and go, oh, they used to struggle with that. It's more like night at the museum, where all the stuff's alive, okay? This problem is alive in our hearts today. So we need to pay attention and be careful. It's not an artifact of, oh, they used to struggle with this issue of circumcision. That's all in the New Testament. That was the format of the issue, but the heart of the issue is still well alive today. So when he says we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, glory in Christ Jesus, put no confidence in the flesh. One image that might come to your mind is a a story from John chapter 4 that a lot of people know. Jesus is speaking with a woman known as the woman at the well, unnamed she had had five husbands okay and the way jesus interacts with her he's basically saying if you want me to be the king of your life everything you've ever wanted everything you've been looking for in the wrong places i'll be that to you right here right now he's not endorsing the way she's lived he's saying everything could change right here right now and she kind of does what we all do she gets a little like squirmy doesn't she and she tries to kind of make it a well logistically how would this work And she starts talking about Jews this, Jews that, and like trying to confuse the conversation. And Jesus says a line that is so important. He says, you know, God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And what he's communicating is, I've handled the legalities, technicalities. I'm handling that. He's looking for people who authentically worship him and let him handle that. If he says, you can come in, if God says, you can have me on my terms for free, and you don't have to bring anything to the table— That's what the issue is here. So what the early church was, what the church is today, is a bunch of ragtag misfits like this woman, okay, men and women all over the world, all kinds of different colors and smells, who have heard God say to them, you've been looking for the wrong things in the wrong places. Come and have me. Stop drinking this false water. Let's go. It's free. I give it to you. You don't bring anything to me. That's what's changed the world. And we do it by worshiping in spirit and truth. We put no confidence in the flesh. What that means is we are not confident. Look at what I did not do 
in my life and look at the good things I have done. We say, no, 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 I'm here because he says I'm here, right? Now let's talk about the dogs. Somebody say dogs. Look out for the dogs. In the first century, this image, dog, okay, don't think house pet. A dog was like a scavenger outside of the city, like, you know, like they're looking for scraps, okay? And the idea was that this term was not derogatory. It was just facts that the, the people who were not the covenant people of God and the non-Jewish people were the Gentiles. They were everybody else were the dogs. They were on the outside. Not that they can't get a piece of it, but they're not the local, they're not the ones who God revealed himself to first, the Jews, okay? So check this out. There was a group of teachers known as Judaizers, okay? They would come in post like a church getting started. So imagine a bunch of men who have stories or women who have stories like that woman we just talked about. They know Jesus. They're like, I don't belong here, but I do because he said I do. So you can't say nothing. Then imagine a teacher coming in saying, oh, we're so happy for you, Jesus, right, 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 right. Good. Now, you know you need to be circumcised, right? Now, think about what's happening to the conscience of that person. They went from eyes on Jesus, I'm here because he says I'm here, to you're telling me I have something I have to do to maintain my confidence that I belong. And they've totally ruined the Christian faith just like that. If that gets in at all, it's game over. You will freeze to death, to use the image from earlier. Because what's happening is, is they're taking the eyes of that entire congregation from the risen Lord who died on that cross, who gifts righteousness, which is what this sermon is going to be about, and now show me your righteousness. Put it on the table. Have you been circumcised? And it becomes, what do you have to show for yourself? And the irony of Paul saying, look out for the dogs, is if a Judaizer read that, who would they think Paul's talking about? He would think Paul is one of them. If I'm a Judaizer, I would think, oh, yeah, yeah, watch out for those Gentiles who aren't getting circumcised. Look out for them. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. The outsiders ain't people ain't been circumcised. The outsiders are people like you who are teaching that people got to have something to bring to the table in the flesh, and you are ruining this. You the dog. They ain't the dog. You the dog. And uh, it's one of those moments like you're talking to somebody like you're talking about them, and they don't get it, and they're like, wait, what? You talking about me? And it's kind of like. Yeah, I was thinking in Lion King when Simba's trying to get in uh, with, with, with Scar to go fight, and they're trying to get past all the hyenas, and Timon comes up, and he's like, hey, what's the plan? He goes, I'm going to create a diversion. He goes, I like it. Hey, yeah, you the diversion, Timon. Like, you're going to go in there and do it. It's kind of one of those ironic moments. Now, we understand it, but this is not a museum, okay? What does that have to do with us? Y'all, the book of Galatians in particular, you don't have to turn there, but it is entirely about this issue. So we've got a little bit of verses on this issue of circumcision, but this was happening in a lot of churches. And one of the things you, you'll note about Galatians 5, and you know this chapter even if you, you aren't conscious of it right now, it's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. One of the things the Apostle Paul says there, when self-righteousness or confidence in the flesh gets into a church, Want to know what you'll see? He says, watch out that y'all don't bite and devour one another. He, in the list of sins, he does say sexual sins and some idolatry and stuff, but listen to these, y'all. Listen to these. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Here's the point. When self-righteousness gets in, we rip each other apart. And I think that's what he was worried about for Philippi. We think this is just a, 
an issue for that woman at the well and Jesus, it is. But the way it will manifest itself, if that gets into a church, is in the way people treat one another. Because now if I bring something to the table and I'm conscious of that and walking in that power in my flesh and not what I've been gifted, now I'm evaluating people. Now I got people who don't have as much or people who have more than me. So I'm jealous of some, looking down on others. I'm full of bitterness. I'm full of anger. I hold grudges. I'm frustrated. Do you see how that works? It has mag- just, just huge implications for a local church. This is why Jesus would say to his disciples, they'd just be rolling around and be like, y'all watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And they'd be like, what you talking about? This, this idea, it can get in and then it just grows. Self-righteousness is always a threat to the church. And the point isn't, y'all, I don't know who the dogs are in Norfolk. The point is, the dogs are in our hearts, family. Followers of Jesus, there's some dog in you. On what day do we not struggle with jealousy, enmity, strife, holding grudges? That's why the Lord's Prayer, every day we're saying, Lord, forgive us as we forgive, as we, as we forgive. It's supposed to be an ongoing depletion of self-righteousness and being gift. Just give me yours, God. I have none. That's the idea. I was reminded this week of, I don't know how many of y'all have had a termite inspection, okay? When you're buying a home sometimes, it'll be one of them things like, oh, we need like $800 right now. Um, and here's the thing about a termite inspection. They just inspecting it. So if something's wrong, that's going to be more money. Amen, somebody. But all they're doing once a year is coming and looking. And the guy, this is what he said to me. I thought it was so interesting back when we were buying the house. He was like, you could tell they've been here. You can see their trace, but they're not in the house. They're not anywhere, but they'll be back. That's how termites roll. They come and they look. You see their trace, and if they can get in, they will. And I think that's a good image for us with, with this teaching, with self-righteousness. It's like you need to sense when it's, when it's tapping And you need to not feel shamed by that. And you need to apply the grace of God right then and there. And I think one just simple test for us before we move on this morning is like, is there somebody you're jealous of? Or holding a grudge against? Or frustrated by? Or irritated by? That spirit of just, if you would just, you know, (laughs) that might be an indicator. Yes, we need to change things horizontally, but could that be connected to self-righteousness. We don't think like that, but that's what the Bible teaches. Is somebody who's receiving gift righteousness extends it. I'm quick on my, you're, you're forgiven. I'm quick to let go. I'm quick to restore. But it's really hard when we're in a headspace of, I've gotten me here, so you get you there. You see how that works? That's what self-righteousness is. So that's what Paul is saying. Watch out, look out, please look out for these dogs. Now let's talk about the fuel. So he says, look out for them, look out for them. We are the circumcision, not people who've received a physical act, but people who worship in a spiritual way, amen? And then in verse four, he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he says, if you want to play flesh games, I'm going to beat you. Okay, I'm going to beat you. And kind of the two categories he has for flesh games are inherited by birth and then ones I've achieved. So the two images I'm going to give you, these are kind of weird. It's hard for us to understand like birthright stuff sometimes, like lineage, purity of blood almost kind of thing. 
But like imagine like a Draco Malfoy. Some of y'all don't watch Harry Potter. That's okay. Don't watch it. Okay. It's okay. But there is this one character, Draco Malfoy, where he is a pure blood. Okay. And he just carries himself like you can't tell me nothing, man. And even if you're the greatest wizard ever, if you ain't from his family, you can't tell me nothing. I'm me by being of being me. You see how that works? Recently, I heard there was an NFL player when being arrested. You know what he said? He said, I play for X team to the police. <laughs> you know what he's communicating? You know who I am? I just am this thing. Just my presence should be enough to take these things off. Baby, come on. And the second way he says you can't touch me in the flesh is I'm kind of like the Michael Jordan of being good. <laughs> as to whatever standards there are, as to a Pharisee, you know, a Pharisee of Pharisees, zeal, like I'm good at this. So imagine the privileges you have when you walk in a room with a combination of pure bloodline lineage, I belong based on man's standards, and I belong based off what I've accomplished. Combo that. I've done it and I inherited it. Now with that as a backdrop, Paul's saying, I have no confidence in the flesh. So he's about to drop some bars, okay? He's saying, I had all that right there. And look at verse 7 with me. But whatever gain I had I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Somebody say, I counted. That's right. And for, for y'all English scholars, that is past tense. What that means is, is that he, he, everything we just talked about, all those credentials, all those reasons to be confident in the flesh, he's taken them and counted, he counted them as lost, threw them away for the sake of Christ. Those two are incompatible. He's saying, I threw it away. That, that refers to conversion. That's what happened in the past. I counted. There was a moment where I looked at it all, I stacked it up, and I was like, yeah, throw it away, and I'll take that instead. So for every believer, they have a moment where they, they can look back. Maybe it was a season. There's something that happened where you're like, I counted, I counted it all as loss. I did it. I did that. I saw it, made the trade. Good trade. Easy. No confidence in the flesh. But not only that, verse 8, he said, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So counted past, but he also says, I count two times. Somebody say, I count. If you don't remember nothing, just I count it, I count, I count it, I count, I count it, I count. That's a really good picture for every believer. Should be able to say, I counted it all as loss, and I count it all as loss right now. He's saying there is something in me. There is an ongoing counting. There is an ongoing nature of all the things in the flesh that could be accrued. But I count it as loss every single time. Every single time, you could give me all those privileges, all the ways that when I walk in the room, people look at me or they would sign up for my classes or all the sins I said no to, all the parties I didn't go to, all the things that I've done right and you should have noticed it or didn't do wrong and you should applaud me for it. I take all of that, stack it all up, and I count all of that as nothing for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes from God. Somebody say righteousness. 
Y'all, righteousness, the easy way to remember that, just the word right is in it. Okay, so this kind of has two layers to it. Like, we are not right before God. Y'all, guys, God is righteous. He is right in every sense of the word. And what's so hard for our minds to understand sometimes is he's right, like morally, like he gets 100 on the test, but he's also just right, like his instincts are right. He's not, uh, uh, he's not multi, uh, he's not conflicted in ways that we are, and he's just pure, he's holy, he's right. He is righteous. And the way we were created was to be right with the righteous one and to extend his righteousness. But what all of us have done, instead of being a, a mirror that reflects his glory, a mirror that extends his glory, his righteousness, we became ones who kind of invert the mirrors in on ourselves, and we want to be that one, you know? But because we are not, we cave in on ourselves. We are not designed to hold that kind of like place in our own. It's like we're too aware of ourselves, right? Like we're too uh, self-centered. We're too, uh, it's, it's corruption, you know, the first thing. Adam and Eve notice after the fall is that they're naked. There's something there. They became aware of themselves and one another. Everything was broken about who they were, about who each other was, and they're standing before God. They feared him. You know, they, they hid from him. We are not righteous. So what this text is saying is that Paul is, is losing his mind for joy because he can be found in Christ not having a righteousness of my own. I've, got, I've built nothing, and whatever I could have built, I threw it away. I counted it all as lost. I counted it all as lost, and I get gifted righteousness. I, I'm found in him not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes from God, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And here's what I want to just push on a little bit here today. Y'all, this is not a righteousness that is like a golden ticket being handed to Paul. The righteousness of God, it, it's Jesus. Like he's being found in him. So it would almost make sense to our brains. Like I gave up all that status to get a different, just a uh, uh, separate from me status given to me. Does that make sense? Now I have an even bigger ticket when I walk in the room. No, 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 no. It's almost like if you put your faith in Christ, which means you grab him. That's the best. Just grab him. Okay, so he counted as lost. You throw away what you got, your righteousness, your accomplishments, whatever it is, and you just grab him. Faith is just the grabbing of a gift. Faith don't earn nothing. It grabs what is being given. It just grab it. Just grab it. Just take it. So you let go and you grab. The best way I can put it, when you are converted, when you put your trust in Jesus, the best image I can think of in his cross, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, spirit coming, it's as if Jesus is like some kind of way opening up and you enter him. That's what the text is saying. Be found in him. You see that? He doesn't count it all as lost for, for, for the sake of getting a righteousness that one day will pay off. Right? He doesn't get it for the sake of a righteousness that makes him more confident in himself. You see that? He gets it. The, the righteousness he's gifted is the person of Jesus. It is, it is like his righteousness is applied to me, but I'm also in him. You know what I'm saying? I'm found in him. I'm gaining him is what the text says. So this isn't a righteousness removed from God. It is the righteousness of God himself. You see how that works? And we enter into that. If, if I could say it like this, it's like to Paul, the thought of this flesh world that the Judaizers were teaching, it's like, man, A, that don't work, and B, I don't want that, you know? It's like, it doesn't work. Like, logistically, forensically, will not work. 
You can't stand before God. But B, that's some trash. You know, let me tell you what the joy is. The joy is being found in Christ. So I think sometimes we get hung up on the forensic side of how it works and we lose the side of like, do you see just how giddy he is though? He's like surpassing worth. I count it as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I count all that I had, not just as loss, but as rubbish. Like it's some trash. If anything, if he could gift you what he had in the flesh, he'd be cursing you in some sense. Like I don't want to give you that. Apart from the righteousness of God, apart from knowing the righteous one, being in the righteous one, it does you no good. That's how emphatically he feels about this. Now let's talk about the flame. Let's talk about the flame. So the fuel is the gift righteousness. The fire is started at conversion. The fire is a gift. You earn nothing by faith. You grab it. God starts the fire. Pow. But as we talked about, the point of fires is to get warm. It's to cook food. It's to have fellowship. It's to see things in the dark, right? So let's read verses 10 and 11. So after explaining how how this works in faith and being found in Christ, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Somebody say that. That, that, that. You know what that means? That means everything we just talked about was that I might do these things. You know what I'm saying? I, I gave that up to get that so that this. Are you with me? That's kind of what he's saying. So I gave up what I had in the flesh to get the person of Jesus, be found in him by faith, grabbing him. Let it go grab. Let it go grab. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. And friends, just look at the verbs in verses 10 and 11. Will y'all do that with me real quick? In verse 10, know him. That's relational. And the power of his resurrection. That's okay, y'all, to want to know the power of Christ's resurrection. Paul prays that often over churches. I pray y'all know that power, that resurrection power. And And the next verb is share. Share his sufferings. We don't think about that a lot, do we? That resurrection power precedes sufferings. You see that? We get gifted resurrection power, and oftentimes we want miracles that in no kind of way lead to sharing in the sufferings of Christ, do we? But you see how that works? Know him relationally, receive resurrection power, and then share in Christ's sufferings. And then becoming like him, another word for that is conforming. You're being conformed. That's a verb there, becoming like him. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Y'all, what we're we're seeing here is Paul does not want a golden ticket. Paul wants to get all the way up in the person of Jesus until his life looks the same. And they're living it so together. They're so intertwined. Y'all, one thing I've been thinking about a lot with this... um, with this concept is I think, I think that we've got to be careful that we're not just grateful for the work of Jesus without being mesmerized by the person of Jesus. Do you see how those are so linked for Paul? Like I, I those who are the circumcision of those who glory in Christ Jesus, we, we worship, we're thankful, but there is a sense in which I'm also mesmerized by this guy and I want his life. You feel what I'm saying? 
Like, I want to live like him. I want to I be like him. I want my instincts to be like him. I want to give away like him. I want to be just so enthralled with him. Uh, right now, I'm just enthralled with the NBA, y'all. Like, the, there, there's some intricacies to the game that I didn't once appreciate. I'm watching teams I never would have watched, even trash games. I'm into, like, what are, the, what are the, like, dynamics that change when that guy comes on the court? What's their body language? Do people enjoy this man? You know what I mean? Like, do his teammates like him? Is that guy good? What are the stats? This guy, this. You know, there's a beauty to it. There's levels to the game is what is an expression you might have heard. My little brother's into chess right now. There's levels to it. There are levels to the game. And with, we are all mesmerized by something, aren't we? But so many times for believers, I think we can separate being mesmerized and being appreciative. You know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate what he did, but I don't, I'm not mesmerized with who he is. For Paul... If anything, mesmerized leads the way, and appreciation is a part of the mesmerization, if that's a word. Amen. He's so like, man, look at Jesus. I mean, God himself came. 33 years he lived this way. Was that a wasted life? Is that how we choose to live our lives? You know, if we had that kind of power, would we have lived it that way? I think Paul is saying, God, please make me the guy who would have lived it the same way as you, who wants to do it with you doesn't want to take power from you and then leverage it to build my kingdom, but everything I do being in step with who you are and your pattern, your way, I want to share. That word share, it's like, let's do it together. I want to share your sufferings. I want to, I want to do it with you. I want to do this thing together. So church, are we just mesmerized with the person of Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you know you should appreciate what he's done for you? I'm asking you, are we just enthralled with who he is? Enthralled with his manner of life, his way of being, his way of sacrifice, his way of, of, of just confounding every system. You ask him this question here, he walks away. You ask him that there, he says yes. You ask him that there, he's like, nah. You ask him there, he's like, he's always pushing his disciples. People think they get it, they're so far. And the people who think they're so far, he's like, you kind of get it. And you're like, what? You know, like, are you just enthralled with this man? Y'all hear from me that it is so easy to get cycled up into just, you're just doing the things, you know, like you're, you're doing good things, even cracking your Bible, but, but you lose the wonder and hear this as an invitation of like, the goal is to stay just mesmerized. I think Paul woke up every day saying today's Jesus day. I'm going to live it with him the way he would live it as best I can. I need grace over all of it. I'm accomplishing nothing that I'm going to hang my hat on. At all times, I receive. I have nothing. I throw it all away. I grab from him. Grab. Grab Jesus and don't let go. That's how Paul lives his life. So y'all, in that sense, the thing about Christianity is that the fuel and the flame are linked. Do you see that? Like the, the, the starting of the fire and the purpose of the fire, those, those, are, those are in sync with each other from the moment you start it. The purpose Christ bought you for was to share his sufferings. The purpose he wanted, he had in mind for you when he died upon the cross was to do life with you and to share and for you to be conformed to his image and to know his resurrection power and to be found in him. Those things are linked. It was never designed for, for this concept of a fire started doesn't shape life at all. But I remember I had a fire one time, you know, that was never his intention for us. His intention was to increasingly warm you, increasingly cook for you, increasingly provide light in darkness, increasingly get some friends around this fire. It was the life of the fire was always the goal. So here for me, as a preacher of God's word, I know we can get, it can make it seem like every week we're like, start a fire, people. <laughs> like, 
It can feel like we just want more people to say they have fires. But here the word of God is saying that's not different from let's get warm. Let's cook some food. Are y'all tracking with me? They're the same. Pattern your life after Christ, grabbing to him with every fiber of your being. You need grace all the while. If he was not crushed, we have no hope. It's faith in his finished work. Gift righteousness is the gift that keeps on giving. So if you are stuck, the place to begin is where you began. (laughs) It's with receiving. It's not conjuring. It's not a game in the flesh. It's to receive what the finished work of Christ is and to keep going further and further as Pastor Kevin prayed earlier. It's just go deeper into the gift nature of your relationship. There's never a moment he isn't with you. And it's kind of mind-blowing. What about yesterday when I was like this and in that mood and this? And it's like, yeah, explore that. Have that conversation with them. Start right there. <laughs> Start wherever your life is right now. That's where Christ wants to meet you. Right there. The fire is there because you're in him and he is in you. Jesus' gift righteousness isn't just something to understand or receive once. It's a whole world to be explored. Somebody say, I counted and I count. Y'all, this week, what we get to do is we get to go out and count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we do that, when we throw it in the trash, there was an old song that said, just throw it in the bag. In my head, I'm always like, just throw it in the trash. Uh, When you just throw everything in the trash, people are going to be like, why do you renounce privileges you could have? Why do you not hold to the good you've done or the bad you haven't done? Or why do you... Why, does, why do you live this way? And you get to say, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's just better. It's just better. And sit in it until you're giddy in it. And that's the Christian life, y'all. Just sit in it. Sit in it with him. The Lord will meet you there. Let's pray together, family. God, we love you. Um, we are just so humbled, uh, again, by your word, by Paul's uh, just opening up the way he relates to you where he says, Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's the only time that he says that, Lord. He's just, I think he's just wrapped up in a moment with you as he's writing this. Uh, just so giddy that he gets to have this conversation. Um, so Father, we thank you that, that you have saved many of us, that we can say we counted it all as loss. There was a time. And Lord, I pray that we would count it all as loss, that we would, we would do that scale weight thing and just see that you weigh way more. You are more valuable than anything, than any righteousness we could accrue, anything else, Lord. You are the greatest. Father, forgive us for the ways we are the dogs. God, I'm the dog. I'm the one who uh, so often is evaluating people by the righteousness I don't think they have, which means I'm, I'm sitting here evaluating myself by the righteousness I think I have. Father, forgive me for that. Lord, help us to be a gift righteousness church in what we receive from you and extend to one another. And Father, would people get saved because they look in at this church and they see people, a ragtag group with all kinds of backgrounds who are just saying Jesus is better and Jesus holds us all together. Lord, we would be quick to extend grace, quick to, to love one another, Lord, all from a place of the gift righteousness that we have in you. Father, we love you. We worship you. Please be with us as we continue to worship you now. We pray in your name. Amen.